It's six o'clock, and this is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the Manafort jury will begin deliberations today, and an unknown odor diverts an Orlando to Philly flight. We'll have the details coming up in I one minute. I was not on that flight, Deborah. <laughs> Florida's new civics literacy requirement is a reality this fall in all Florida colleges and universities. Coming up next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning, otherwise known as Friday Eve at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. Deliberations begin today in the Paul Manafort trial. The jury heard closing arguments yesterday in bank and, and in the bank and tax fraud case against the former Trump campaign chief. Manafort is facing more than a dozen charges of fraud and money laundering stemming from special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian meddling in the election. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The White House says uh, says President Trump is revoking the security clearance of former CIA director John Brennan. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders said yesterday that Brennan has been using his security clearance to make wild claims against the Trump administration. Brennan has been an outspoken Trump critic and tweeted yesterday that Trump fails to live up to the minimum standards of decency. Meanwhile, hundreds of newspapers across the country, including the Orlando Sentinel, are running editorials today defending the freedom of the press. The editorials are a rebuke against President Trump, who's been calling media organizations the enemy of the people. The Boston Globe is behind today's effort and said in a piece yesterday that labeling the press the enemy of the people is un-American. An editorial in the Kansas City Star compared Trump's comments about the media to Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin's silencing of his critics. Frontier Airlines says an unknown odor in the cabin prompted an Orlando to Philadelphia flight to be diverted to North Carolina. The airline said Flight 1674 thankfully landed safely last night at Raleigh-Durham International Airport and that one crew member and two passengers requested additional medical attention. The plane was carrying 230 passengers and seven crew members. Frontier says the flight would be resumed on a new aircraft. Out west, the husband of a pregnant woman reported missing in Northern California, uh, Northern Colorado, rather, has allegedly admitted to killing her and their two daughters. KUSA TV says Chris Watts has been detained by police in Frederick following the admission. Shannon Watts and her two daughters were reported missing on Monday. Watts was 15 weeks pregnant at the time of her disappearance. An Arizona father is facing murder charges and the fatal beating of a man accused of harassing his young daughter. Police say Melvin Harris admitted to beating 26-year-old Leon Armstrong after being told he had tried to break into the bathroom stall where his teenage girl was using at a Phoenix Quick Trip convenience store. Witnesses say Harris punched Armstrong in the face and then stomped and kicked him until he was unconscious. He later died at the hospital. Back here closer to home, a statue that has stood in the U.S. Capitol for almost 100 years will soon move to Lake County in a city that doesn't seem to want it. The Tavares City Council yesterday voted against accepting a statue of Confederate General Edmund Kirby Smith. The statue will still move, though, to the Lake County Historical Museum after standing in the National Statuary Hall since 1922. Museum curator and city council member Bob Grenier tells the Orlando Sentinel the statue will be a significant addition to the museum and it will be placed among its other Civil War pieces. And finally, a young Utah girl's online shopping spree will be a teachable moment. When six-year-old Caitlin's parents found out she bought $350 worth of toys using her mom's Amazon account, well, they made her pay it forward. 
Caitlin's cousin, Rhea Diallo, says instead of punishing the little shopaholic, her parents had Caitlin donate the toys to a local children's hospital. Diallo shared the story on Twitter along with photos of Caitlin posing with an Amazon delivery man. The little girl was all smiles, standing next to a stack of boxes just as high as her head. Wow. No word on the look on her face as she had to hand those boxes out, but... That's a good. That's a good it's thing a that her parents teachable did. Teachable moment. It I is like a teachable that. moment. Yeah. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Instead of punishing her, show her that you know, pay it forward, give it to other kids that could use it, and then find another way to get her to earn those three hundred and fifty dollars worth of toys. Amazing, isn't it? It is. I've heard this is a real problem with parents and kids. Kids ordering stuff off online. It's, it's until you get the yeah. charge card, you really don't know that they've done it. Right. <laughs> I can honestly say that's never happened here. No? No. Is that because your girls were old enough to know better by the time you did get an Amazon account? <laughs> oh, you mean they have Amazon accounts? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll have to get one. Yeah. <laughs> WFLA News Time at 6.06. Read about the smoke from the California wildfires spreading to New York City at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mark Logas starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Mark Logan's filling in for the Bud Man, along with Deborah Roberts and Michael Yaffe, our executive producer. It's uh, great to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back, Mark. Thanks. It's been a while. It's been since December, but I've been busy. Yes, you're getting ready to yeah. talk about. I didn't yeah. realize you spearheaded this effort, and it's actually come to fruition. Yes. It's taken you six years, but your your baby is finally going to be here. <laughs> well, a lot of people worked hard on it, but the new civics literacy requirement is a reality now. This semester, this uh, academic year, 2018 to 2019, for all colleges and universities. And I'll explain exactly what that means. And it will be embedded in U.S. government classes and U.S. history classes. So uh, kudos to the Florida legislature for listening, for correcting House Bill 7135, and for doing the right thing by not granting an extension, which a lot of colleges and universities wanted. They wanted to delay for another year so they could work this out. The time for delay is over. We need to educate students about their government. Yeah, and kudos to you. Well, thanks. And, you know, other professors and teachers around the state who saw the real need for this and pushed and continue to push Till, uh, until it was come to fruition. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Well, I am uh, glad and pleased to report that the Florida legislature has taken action to ensure that students seeking an AA or AS degree beginning in fall 2018 must successfully complete a civics literacy requirement in order to graduate and earn a degree. You know, there are several options open to students, which is what many of us, including myself, were pushing for. Uh, We don't want a one-step, one-size-fits-all. There were several ways to demonstrate that students have civic knowledge. If they've got it, why would they want to repeat that process? As I've shared numerous times and Bud has talked about uh, with me, my you know, research shows that students now less than half can identify the three co-equal branches of the government. Not one student, Yaffe, not one student out of my entire spring classes and summer classes could identify the chief justice of the United States. Not one. What? what? 
Oh, you got to depress me this early in the morning, Mark. <laughs> Jeez. Well, but here's the good news. All right. There are several options open to students to demonstrate that civic knowledge. First, students can pass a CLEP exam in American government. That's one option. Another option is to take a designated U.S. government or American history class in college, which is what, you know, folks like me were pushing for. We think it's very important. Students will get into a class. They'll say, oh, I don't need this. I've already got it. I have a high school diploma. And, you know, giving them that first day quiz, which I do every semester and half for several years, the questions all but one coming from the U.S. citizenship exam uh, shows them that they have a lot to learn. You know, most distressing, are you ready for a deep depression here? Right, Yaffe? <laughs> I guess. For the first time, over half of the students could not identify the ocean off the east coast of, of the United States. No. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm not what? kidding. I mean, Atlantic, right? Nope. We're getting Pacific. We're getting the Gulf. I mean, it's it's terrible. They can't tell east from they, west? They cannot tell east from west. They have no idea. Over half of the students could not identify. I mean, that's not even civics at that right. point. That's, that becomes geography. Right? I mean, <laughs> we have to require that now? I guess so. I, I, I mean, uh. it, 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 is, it is worse than most people think. But here is the good news. I mean, come on. It's 6.15 in the morning. We want to hear happy news. We want to hear good news. And it is good news. Um, another uh, way that students can prove that they have this civic knowledge is if they've taken advanced placement U.S. history and scored a 4 out of 5 or a 3 out of 5 on AP government in high school. That will satisfy the requirement. So it's not necessarily that, oh, you know what, everybody has to take this, whether they know it or not. If they can demonstrate this knowledge, there's no reason to repeat it. And that's what many people like me were pushing for. Not a mandatory everybody has to take this because then it becomes a cash cow, quite frankly, for for colleges and universities. If you can demonstrate this civic knowledge, you don't need to take the class. Now, universities... And this is very controversial. Universities are now allowing students to pass a 100-question U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services Civics exam with a score of 60% or higher. And a lot of people said, oh, that's great. Oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. And I supported that as well until I found out that in some of these universities, they do not have to be in a testing center to take that exam. They can take it online. What first comes to your mind if I'm a student who says, I'm going to take this online and show that I can pass this test with 60% or more right answers? What do you think? Right. You got it. Uh, Open book. Yeah, exactly. Open notes. So state colleges are not allowing this option until there's further review of the questions, first of all, that students will be asked and the testing procedures. So the universities are not open to this. I mean, what is it that government, that, that these universities are so afraid of that students will learn? And I'll tell you what it is. My classes, and I don't mean to sound arrogant because I'm not trying to be, but my classes fill every semester. And colleagues, administrators will say, Mark, your classes are full and they just opened. How do you do it? Seven o'clock in the morning classes. It's simple. I don't tell my students what to think. I challenge them to look at the pros and the cons, introduce them to very diverse, from the Huffington Post to Rush Limbaugh, diverse resources, and then encourage them to demonstrate college-level research and critical thinking and 
figure it out for themselves. And you know what? When you empower people to do their own research and give them the challenge to think for themselves, they always come up with the right answers, don't they? Hmm. Amazing. Letting a student think for themselves and do their own research. What a concept. I thought that's what higher learning was all about. And now we have a better chance. Well, the grump is at it again. Brennan says, no, he's trying to silence me. Well, take the pacifier out of your mouth. You still have free speech rights, and I'll explain that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Day. We're going to get to Brennan, uh, but first, a sad survey shows, and this is from the folks over at Freedom Forum Institute. Oh, all right, yeah, I tried, but uh, get this. Among those who could name a percentage of Americans, a shocking percentage of Americans, unable to name a single First Amendment right, here it is. 56% could name the right to freedom of speech. That's just over half. Others didn't fare so well. 15% of the respondents could name freedom of religion. 13% named freedom of the press. 12% freedom of peaceful assembly. Owen from Palm Bay is joining us on the 50,000-watt front porch. Good morning from Palm Bay. Hey, good morning, Mark. Uh, you were talking about your students that... Uh, not one of them knew who the uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is. Right. Uh, it's because they don't care, Mark. It's that time of their lives. They don't care about that. They don't care where the Atlantic Ocean is. And I think you pointed it out. They let someone else think for them. People like uh, Bernie Sanders, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, they hear the free this, free that, uh, forgiveness of student loans, this whole thing. But they, they will uh, let someone else think for them. And they, they really, at that time, they don't care. Yeah, you, you make a very valid point. You know how I make them care? On the very wow. first exam, I hand them all, before I hand out the exams, I tell them, okay, you know, I, I believe that some of you have you know, outside of stuff going on that might cause you not to be able to study. You have relationships that might be good or broken. And so there are the overachievers. I mean, let's face it, some of you, white privilege and everything else. So I've decided to average out the highest exam score and the lowest exam score, and it comes out to a 77. So I'm not even going to hand your papers back to you. I do this. I'm not even handing your papers back. Everybody gets a 77. I think that's fair. And some of them go, yeah, like you just said, oh, yeah, it's something for another. Oh, man. Yeah. And then some of them get these, you know, looks on their face. And I go, what, what? Is there a problem? And finally, you know, the not the overachievers, the students who actually did what you asked them to do step up and they say, well, I don't think that's that's right. And I don't think that's fair. I worked hard. Well, how did you what did you say? I sacrificed some time. I didn't do this like I could have done. I, I, I did everything you asked me to do. Why am I being punished for it? I said, well, it seems fair. So then I asked how many of you voted for Bernie Sanders in 2016, and a bunch of hands go up. I said, then everybody should be fine with this, because if you voted for Bernie Sanders, this is what that socialist Democrat, self-prescribed, described, by the way, socialist Democrat, he calls himself that, that's what he stands for. That's what he defines as equality. And they're stunned. And I go, so we can do equality and make it fair for everybody, and everyone gets the 77 or you can get the grades that you earned. 
either way, you're getting the grades that you earned. And then the other one is Obamacare. They really are starting to catch on that they have to pay for it. It's not free. And that those who think that they've got it free, their parents are now coming back going, hey, we got a mortgage. This is how much our premium went up. Now you have to pay for it. Or there's a penalty on your taxes. That's how I do it. It's not a trick. It's simply the truth and giving them the options to say, this is good and it's equal, or this is not the way it should be. But Owen, thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate you dropping by the 50,000-watt front porch. Brennan, you know, I have no tolerance for this guy. Brennan is a former employee. You know, do you think when Yaffe leaves this building or I leave this building or Deb leaves this building for the last time, we're going to have our pass keys and be able to come in and do shows whenever we want? No. Stephanie won't even be able to screen calls. We won't be allowed in the building. So what makes these former government officials think that they have this authority? Let me take you back before we get to the break here on July 20th. John Brennan, Obama's CIA director, admits that he egged on the FBI's probe of Trump and Russia. That in itself should have been an investigation into criminal activity, not just him losing his privilege of a security clearance. The FBI and the CIA cannot work together on these issues. And he admitted egging on the FBI to probe Trump and Russia. That alone, July 20th, 2018, fact check me, should have made it clear that he should have lost everything, including his clearance. And I've got more to say on that, but we have the Manafort jury beginning deliberations today and Florida officials expecting good news when the new unemployment number is coming out. We're going to have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. It's 632, and you're listening to Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts. I'm Mark Logos filling in for the Bud Man. Here's Deborah Roberts with the news from the 1025 WFLA News Center. Yeah, we're starting off with uh, news that jurors will begin deliberating the Paul Manafort fraud case today. The jury heard closing arguments yesterday before the judge gave his final instructions. Lawyers for the former Trump campaign chief argued in their closing remarks that the prosecution wouldn't have a case without its star witness, former Manafort associate Rick Gates. Gates testified that he'd committed crimes with Manafort and that he stole from his boss. The defense argued that Gates lied to the jury. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Florida's jobless rate is 3.8 percent and the new unemployment report is due out on Friday. Department of Economic Opportunity Director Sissy Proctor says it's been a good summer on the job front and they expect that to continue. For the last seven months, Florida has had the lowest unemployment rate of the 10 most populous states. So that is a great, uh, a great indicator of how strong our job market is and how strong our economy is. Florida has added 170,000 new jobs over the past year with leisure and hospitality leading the way, but most of those tourism jobs are low or minimum wage. Meanwhile, a measure critics say unfairly targets the homeless is now law in Daytona Beach. Last night, the city commission voted unanimously to pass a new ordinance that that says someone caught trespassing on public property can be banned from that same property for as long as two years. 
The Daytona Beach City Attorney says the law is not directed at the homeless, but a local ACLU president told the commission that's laughable. The ACLU claims the ordinance will discriminate against the homeless and, in its words, treat them like a pack of vermin. Texas oil refineries are being urged to prepare for another storm like Hurricane Harvey. Last year's hurricane flooded the Houston area with over 60 inches of rain, halting refineries that produce a fourth of all U.S. oil. A new report out of Washington is urging Texas environmental regulators to coordinate shutdowns of refineries during hurricanes to avoid big releases of air pollution. The report says that during Hurricane Harvey, over 8 million pounds of air pollutants were released, mostly in the Houston area. And finally, SeaWorld's Aquatica Orlando is about to debut a new Latin-inspired theme. Fiesta Aquatica will take place at the water park throughout September. The celebration will feature live entertainment, including a live DJ on the weekends, plus specialty menu items and family beach games. Fiesta Aquatica will be included with regular park admission. And you can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mark Logus continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. And a very pleasant good morning to you, Gina, from the Hi, Bloomberg Mark. Newsroom. It's good to be back with you. I hear stock futures are indicating a little bit of a higher open after a low close yesterday. What do we have? That's right. Looks like we're headed for a higher open at the bell this morning on renewed hopes for trade tensions to ease. China said its vice commerce minister will visit the U.S. for trade talks later this month. We did have stocks slumping yesterday on Wall Street as tech lost ground and retailers slid on Macy's latest report. More on that in a moment. Commodity shares moved lower with oil prices and the Dow was down 138 to 25,162. The S&P fell 22 or about three quarters of a percent to 28,18. The Nasdaq was down 97 or one and a quarter percent to 77.74, and the Bloomberg Orlando index was down about three tenths percent. Well, now you mentioned Macy's. Uh, I thought they had a pretty decent quarter. What what happened on Wall Street? Yeah. Well, we are going to hear from more retailers today. Walmart, J.C. Penney, and Nordstrom. Lots of focus on that after what happened with Macy's yesterday. It was the worst performer in the S&P 500 and that spread to other retailers as well amid increased pessimism over the industry's ability to lure consumers into stores. As you pointed out, Macy's latest results beat estimates, even raised its guidance for the year, but it's spending a lot of money to win back shoppers. That sent the shares down 16 percent. It's offering discounts and cutting unnecessary inventory and that means putting more money into the company. Yeah. Now, Amazon, it seems I thought they owned everything, but apparently there's some, a, a brick-and-mortar <laughs> theater chain that, that they haven't acquired quite yet, right? <laughs> That's right, but they're in the running to acquire Landmark Theaters. This is a chain focused on independent and foreign films. Sources tell Bloomberg that Amazon is vying with other suitors to acquire the business from Wagner Cuban Companies, backed by billionaire Mark Cuban and Todd Wagner. Landmark has more than 50 theaters around the country with high-profile locations in big cities, New York, Philly, Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco. And if you call T-Mobile, you might actually get a human being when you call customer service. (laughs) (laughs) Say it isn't so, or say it is so, I guess is what a lot of people might be saying. T-Mobile is revamping its customer care mark by assigning actual humans to answer your questions and solve your problems. The nation's third largest carrier says it has patented 
customer service program. It's called Team of Experts. T-Mobile is under pressure to sharpen its customer service, partly because it wants to rely less on promotions to attract subscribers. All right. Well, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Newsroom. Thanks and have a great day. You too. Chuck from Longwood is coming up next. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. I chuckled, frankly, because it's funny that the press knows Joseph Stalin, but probably thinks that Abraham Lincoln's a Democrat, which is now also being taught, and it's on the on the side of a building at a college, a university in sadly Illinois. Chuck from Longwood, thanks for being patient. Good morning, and welcome to the fifty thousand watt front porch. Good morning. The, um, uh, I guess my comment is that Brennan and a bunch of other people that are having their security clearances uh, revoked. Right. Um, the real reason behind that is the people that they have left behind in the FBI, CIA, NSA, wherever it happens to be. Um, those people can speak freely to them at this point. True. Without repercussions right so what you're doing is cutting off their information flow um, on secure information that's exactly right and and do you think that should be done or do you think that they should have that clearance once they're they're out of office uh, there's there's nobody that I know of uh, and I know several people that uh, have have had high security clearances before when they leave they are rescinded. Right. No, no longer have, you don't have lifetime security cards. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a great call, Chuck from Longwood. Thank you so much for dropping in and sharing those thoughts. You know, he, he brings up a very good point, uh, which is the smartest audience in talk radio, right? It's right here. Do you remember what Brennan said when it was Trump's press conference about Putin? He said it was, quote, an impeachable offense and called it treasonous. I mean, if the fact that he conspired with the FBI and egged them on to investigate Trump and Russia in the first place, which was not his role, the fact that he suggests that the president committed treason might be another one. And Chuck raises a very good point as well. Let's take a look at some of the other people under review right now. All who believe in this country's values must vote for Democrats. Yeah, that's what lifelong Republican, wink, wink, nod, nod, James Comey told Americans to do. You remember that? Oh, he has no horse in this race. He's just an honest guy who I think committed treason. I mean, let's face it. Comey was the guy who went to the New York Times and was giving them information. That's illegal while he was the director of the FBI. And let's not forget something else. What else didn't he tell us? Oh, botched investigation. Wasn't it the FBI and James Comey who said that Mateen was not a terrorist? I believe he was a terrorist. And if you question that, just go to the opening comments in the government's case against his widow in the Pulse nightclub shooting. Why all of a sudden are we learning that it was indeed a terrorist attack? We knew it was because if you listen to the 911 calls, he identified himself as a terrorist three times. Comey tells Americans they must vote Democrat in 2018. And then all of a sudden, the dear darling socialist from New York wins. And Comey has no friends anymore. 
No Republican friends. And now Democrats are going, would you shut up and stay out of our business? And Comey says, quote, unquote, this was from July 22nd, please, please don't lose your minds. Don't vote for socialists. Well, James, most Democrats today are socialists. Oh, and there's, there's this. Here's this from the Washington Times. George Soros, he laments, Obama was my greatest disappointment. Now, this is a guy who's losing friends all over the world, and he's losing friends in this country, and he's griping because he gave millions of advice and dollars. <clears throat> oh, no, I'm not talking about our, our, our state attorney here <laughs> in Orange and Osceola County. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Obama. And he says Obama gave him less than 15 minutes. He claims he never spoke to Obama more than 15 minutes in one meeting in the eight years he was in office. Dems now favored to take House in midterm elections. I don't see this. I never saw a blue wave coming. What I've seen is a red wave coming. And you know, the media got it wrong in 2014. The media got it wrong in 2016. The media is going to get it wrong again. And who is this guy? Let's see. Oh, Sabato, Larry Sabato. I know Larry Sabato. He got it wrong in 2004, and I got it right. He's from the University of Virginia. I think he's wrong, dead wrong this time, because on the Hill, a poll says majority of Americans will not vote for Democrats because they believe they are voting for a socialist. And I think that's the key right there. Claire McGaskill, Democrats are going to sweep? Come on, in Missouri, she's about to get indicted, I think, she and her husband, $131 million in federal subsidies that they spent on their own personal businesses, and it came from the government? How do you survive that election? Democrats who drafted bill to abolish ICE are now saying they're going to vote against the bill that they created. I don't see a blue wave coming here. What I see is a lot of confusion among Democrats who want their party back. By the way, I was in Charlottesville on the one-year anniversary of the violent protests. I'll be sharing that with you and Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Mark Logan's filling in for the Bud Man. We have with us, of course, Yaffe, our executive producer, Stephanie, on the call screening, and Deborah Roberts, never more than 10 minutes away from the news. You know why people never seem to want to get involved? I mean, you do the right thing, and you know, when, when uh, law enforcement's looking for somebody, it's like, oh, you know, we, we've got a reward. We've got, uh, listen to this. You got to hate headlines like this, right? Woman who helped police capture the Nashville Waffle House shooter. Remember this kid? Is shocked. She's been told she's not eligible for Crime Stoppers because she called 911 first. <laughs> I'm sorry, ma'am. Uh, you, you. You helped us tremendously, and you've, you probably saved lives. But you should have called us first, not 911, to stop the carnage. I mean, idiots, these people. I mean, who's going to, I mean, oh, you know what? Next time I see something, I'm going to call Crime Stoppers first, and then I'll call 911. Ugh. All right. Students returning to Florida schools are now required. Florida schools are now required to display in God we trust. And what's wrong with that? I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. It was signed into law by Governor Rick Scott. It was sponsored, for crying out loud, by Kimberly Daniels. She's a Jacksonville Democrat, which is probably why nobody's complaining about this. 
It was the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting that spurred her on to sponsor the bill, she said. Daniel said that God is the light, and our schools need light in them like never before. By the way, in God we trust is Florida State's motto, for those of you who don't know that. Andrew Cuomo, the governor from New York, he says, America was never that great. I am so sick of liberals. I'm really fed up with it. They don't love this country. They tear it down at every... There's nothing good in America. There's nothing good in this country. Forget the fact that Donald Trump has gotten the lowest unemployment rate for African Americans, the lowest unemployment rate for Hispanics. You know, there is one thing that you cannot discriminate that does not discriminate in this country, and that's a good economy. You can't say, oh, by the way, the economy is good for everybody, but those people over there, (laughs) no, no, no. It doesn't discriminate. And you know what? Minorities are figuring it out. Look at the number. Candace Owens, for crying out loud. She's black. And she gets harassed for having lunch out by Antifa because she has the ability to be probably one of the 56% who could identify the freedom of speech in the First Amendment and then exercise it. Cuomo says, uh, let me, let me uh, explain what I mean. What would you say would be great again? Would not be great at all. We will not go back to discrimination, segregation, sexism, isolationism, racism, or the KK. You know, you moron. Nobody wants to go back to those days. What is it with Democrats? They love to live in the past. Let's look at the past. You guys still haven't gotten over the election of 1860, apparently. Anybody want to hazard a guess who won in 1860? Oh, it was that third-party candidate guy. What was his name? Abraham Lincoln. The birth of the Republican Party, the same Republican Party as today. And how did Democrats respond to that? Oh, let's see. It was a contested election? No. They just didn't like the outcome. So a civil war ensued. Why? Because Democrats wanted to keep slaves. Fact check me. You can call me, too. 407-916-5400. But fact check me first before you embarrass yourselves. History is factual. And that's what I speak here is facts. Why do the Democrats keep going? Why don't the Democrats go back to the Civil Rights Act of 1964? Heck, why don't they go back before that and give credit to the real civil rights movement, which was spawned by none other than a Republican president, Dwight Eisenhower? Eisenhower encouraged his Congress to pass the Civil Rights Act of of 1957. He encouraged them to pass the Civil Rights Act of 1960. And had he not been the first term-limited president... He probably would have had the Civil Rights Act of 1961. If John Kennedy gets credited for civil rights, why did it not happen in his lifetime? Kennedy was gunned down November 22, 1963. We call it the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Heck, the plate and the table was set for him. All he had to do was sign it. Why didn't he? Maybe civil rights weren't as important to Kennedy as re-election was. And Hillary Clinton backs an 11-year-old kid, obviously being taught in Maryland (sighs) everything but what you do when you stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. She says, keep up the good work. Another hater of America. Hillary Clinton is just incredible and just won't seem to go away. Two-time loser. Three times if you count Bill. Anyway, (laughs) get off my back, folks. Come on. 2008, she lost to Barack Obama. She lost to, what, Donald Trump in 2016. That's a two-time loser. 
And don't get me started on Bill. The Manafort jury will begin deliberations today, and Sarasota declares a local state of emergency because of red tide. No, not the Chinese kind. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. It's 701, and this is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the Manafort jury will begin deliberations today, and Sarasota declares a local state of emergency because of red tide. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. My trip to Charlottesville on the one year anniversary, an attempt to get on the downtown mall. I'll share that with you. And good Thursday morning at 7.02 on News Radio 102.5. A jury in Northern Virginia will begin weighing the fate of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort today. The judge issued final instructions to the panel after closing arguments Wednesday. Manafort is facing more than a dozen charges of fraud and money laundering stemming from special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian meddling in the election. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A federal judge in Montana is ordering the State Department to conduct a full environmental review of a revised route for the Keystone XL oil pipeline. This could delay by years the project that would cross three states. Judge Brian Morris ruled yesterday a full environmental review is necessary because the pipeline route through Nebraska has been revised from the original path. Environmental groups, Native American tribes, and ranchers have been fighting the pipeline for more than a decade. Sarasota is declaring a local state of emergency due to the red tide outbreak. Emergency manager Todd Kirkering says they have no idea how much longer the red tide bloom will last, and it's frustrating uh, and it's frustrating for officials to deal with. I'm not going to say that's what keeps us awake at night, I'm, I will say, but that leaves us that open end of well, how do we continue to support our efforts. Kirkering says the state of emergency will allow the city to share resources with the county to clean up the dead sea life that's washed ashore. It'll offer assistance to local businesses impacted by the tainted waters from Pinellas to Lee counties. And in the meantime, those businesses are calling on residents to help them lure visitors back to the beach. Some business leaders got together yesterday in Bradenton to talk about how they can ease concerns about the red tide outbreak. One restaurant owner estimates business is down 70 percent, but he says the reality of the red tide is not as bad as the perception. Visit Florida CEO Ken Lawson tells News Channel 8 he wants residents to visit the beaches and post about their wonderful experiences on social media so others can see Florida's beauty hasn't gone away. Might be a little bit tougher since I guess uh, word is a report in today's Wall Street Journal is all about Florida's red tide problem. Less than two weeks remain before both Republicans and Democrats in Florida begin to pick nominees to run for governor. One of those, uh, one of the two GOP candidates, Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam, says an ecological disaster of toxic algae blooms on both the Gulf Coast and inland at Lake Okeechobee require immediate government action. We have to fix the dike around Lake Okeechobee so that we're reducing these releases. We have to finish the uh, reservoirs all around the lake. Uh, the state of Florida bought the land east and west of the lake 20 years ago for new reservoirs. We're still waiting on the Corps of Engineers. Putnam said his opponent, Congressman Ron DeSantis, has no plan, no vision, and no agenda. Finally, forecasters at the National Hurricane Center in Miami are watching a tropical wave 
more than 700 miles east-southeast of the Windward Islands. Development of the disorganized system of showers and thunderstorms is expected to be limited once it moves over the eastern Caribbean Sea later in the week. In the central Atlantic, meanwhile, subtropical storm Ernesto has shown little change in strength. It's moving to the north-northeast and still posing no threat to land. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so good to say, yes, doesn't it? it does. WFLA News Time. It's 7.05. Read about 21 states being monitored by the CDC for a measles outbreak. And I'm uh, going to assume that will include Florida. Yeah. Because two kids in Pinellas County were just diagnosed with measles. Oh, my. Yeah. You can get the details for yourself, parents, especially with kids back in school. At 1025WFLA.com, the second hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mark Logus starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And a very pleasant good morning to you. Yaffe is here. Stephanie is here. Deb is here. Never more than 10 minutes away from the news. And again, Mark Logus filling in for Bud. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell phone, hit pound 250, keyword real estate. And so we move on. The owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop, this is the Colorado baker who just won a major victory at the U.S. Supreme Court, is in court again. Owner of Masterpiece Cake Shop and his attorneys from the Alliance Defending Freedom have filed a federal lawsuit against Colorado officials claiming the state is now doubling down on its anti-religious hostility. The move comes after a June 28th notification to Jack Phillips, that's the owner of the cake shop, by the Colorado Civil Rights Division that had found probable cause to believe that Phillips and his uh, cake shop have now violated a Colorado law requiring his business to create Bake a Cake for Autumn Scardina. That's an attorney who wanted to celebrate the anniversary of her transition from male to female. So that is the latest, and uh, Phillips says he declined the request. Because the cake expressed messages about sex and gender identity that conflict with his religious beliefs. So, again, we will see what happens. Aubrey Ellenis, the director of the Colorado Civil Rights Division, cited the U.S. Supreme Court's June decision in the determination that Phillips had again violated the law. Maybe she wants to go back and reread that. I'm not quite sure. But that is the latest with the Colorado Baker. I went to Charlottesville and was in town on the one year anniversary this past Sunday. I'll have that story for you. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. All right, I always write myself some notes, sometimes to remember, sometimes just uh, to remind myself how stupid some things are. And so on my Fox 35 Paul Manafort trial defense for former Trump campaign chairman rests without calling witnesses, I wrote not Fox 35 being stupid, the government being stupid. Wasn't this supposed to be about Trump? I mean, the whole thing with Mueller was supposed to be that he conspired, he knew, he had information, that they conspired with the Russians, and there's nothing in this trial, nothing has to do anything with Russia. Nothing. And Judge Ellis says, you know what, are you kidding me? You want to prosecute somebody because they wear nice clothes and doesn't admit, I mean, this case, Robert Mueller is a fraud. He's a fraud. I used to have so much respect for him. He was the director of the FBI. Remember that during 9-1-1, 9-11? And I thought he handled it perfectly. But who was his protege? Oh, James Comey. And no, no investigation into Comey, leaking information to the New York Times. I mean, stroke, 
They finally struck, stroke, whatever. He, they finally fire him? He was employed until what, just a few hours ago? What am I missing here? If this kind of crap happened anywhere in the private sector, not only would you be fired if you stole from the company, if you did something illegal, they'd file criminal charges against you. This is ridiculous. I look at this thing. I don't blame Trump. You know, I wish Trump would stop saying, stop the investigation, stop the investigation. Let it go. As far as I'm concerned, this is killing Democrats. It is exposing the fraud and the corruption within the Federal Bureau of Incompetency. Yeah, I called it that. And I know an FBI agent who doesn't appreciate that, but I'm sorry. The FBI missed all the clear tips and leads in the school shooting in South Florida, too. They're so darn focused on Russia. They're so darn focused on corruption. They want to bring this president out. I want you just to put yourself in your position for a second here. Can you imagine going into a courtroom and you found out that your attorney allowed almost all but two of the jurors to already have sided with the prosecutor against you? In other words, going through the jury selection process, it was determined that all but two jurors who were going to sit in your trial have already said publicly that, uh, yeah, they think you're guilty. Would you're a lawyer, would you ever tolerate having that? It's supposed to be impartial. And yet look at the prosecutors. What was it, 17 of them, because some have been fired and replaced, supported Hillary Clinton, supported Barack Obama. It's just incredible. And you know this is going to continue on through Election Day. But let it, as far as I'm concerned. Let it. Because there's some good news on the horizon. Senator Lindsey Graham has grown a backbone. Lindsey Graham now is calling for a special counsel to investigate the FBI's handling of Clinton emails. And there's a FISA warrant. How about that? There's going to be an investigation. There's actually possibly going to be a special counsel to look into Hillary. You know, it's sad. I lived in the, you know, I've been, this is my 40th year in broadcast radio and television. Can you believe that, Yaffe? 40 years I've been in this. 40 years. It just makes me feel so good, but it's so old, too. Considering you've been doing it longer than I've been alive, yes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Well, and all right, and Bud's been doing it longer than both of us. <laughs> no, uh, it's always fun to take. Nice, a, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure he's not. I'm listening. old, but not that old. <laughs> nice, nice trick there. You know, the the thing is, for I have lived here in Orlando for over 52 years, and the only three years that I lived anywhere else was Charlottesville, Virginia. I I ran the NBC affiliate up there, NBC 29. And then I came back and I worked at Channel 9 to finish out my uh, television career. And I have to tell you, it's painful to have gone back because the failed liberal policy. It's, it's another classic example. Liberals take over a town. Their failed policies put the, the impoverished into worse poverty. And it, it, it's just, their, their policies aren't working. And I'm going to share that with you because we were visiting some very dear friends with ours who were actually concerned for my safety. They begged me not, not didn't beg, they encouraged me strongly not to go to the downtown mall on Sunday for fear that something might happen to me, arrest or being harmed. 
I'll explain that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Good friends of ours, Kristen and David, they are such good human beings and such fine folks. They were concerned Sunday morning when I woke up and I said, you know, I think I'm going to go down to the downtown mall. They'd seen all the media hype that I had seen, the local television. They were just, uh, you know, not telling people to stay away, but there's going to be this, there's going to be that, and we have all this here. And all that seemed to be hundreds, I mean hundreds, of armed police, state police. Helicopters, not news. Military and support, police support helicopters overhead. They were probably concerned that I'd either get arrested or possibly maybe harmed, but I had to go. As a journalist, I had to go, and I wanted to go because, first of all, I wanted to go as a a tourist. I wanted to see how easy would it be for me to gain access to the downtown mall, which was closed, by the way, from one end down to the other. And secondly, if I wanted to spend money with local businesses, would I be able to do so? So I started off on my trek. I videotaped and detailed it. I'll save it for you. It took me an hour. Some tried to discourage me in law enforcement to basically kind of, uh, you know, move on. But if I wanted to go down to the mall, not to gawk, because I said I'm a tourist. I want to go down there. I'm going to be in town, you know, today. They told me, well, go down. There's only two entrances, one at one end of the mall area and one at the downset of the other side of the mall area. All right. Well, I went down to the one end, and it was closed on Sunday. Apparently, it was open on Saturday. That's when the march at UVA occurred, and then Sunday was the one-year anniversary of the, of the actual uh, deadly driving incident during the protest. And so I had to walk all the way up the side streets, and every time I'd go up a side street to get to the mall— They were, again, saying, I'm sorry, no access here. They were very polite, by the way. State police, extremely polite and very accommodating. They just didn't know where the entrance was. Finally, I got to the entrance. I walked down on the mall, and there there was no activity going on. A handful of people on a busy, what should have been a very busy day. By this time, it's 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Even the outdoor restaurants, they they just had a handful of people. I only saw two protesters Two white girls wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. They weren't bothering anybody. They weren't protesting. They were walking with the shirts on. And I went into a local business to buy a newspaper, but I couldn't buy one because I was told that due to all the heightened security, including, by the way, I saw two separate tanks, okay, that no deliveries were able to get through, so no Sunday papers. So, you know, did it really help local businesses? It was overkill. I get it. Last year, they did very little. They let the protest. It got out of hand. This year, they wanted to make it clear. Well, you know what? Kessler, the creator, the developer, whatever you want to call him, of last year's protest said, it isn't going to happen in Charlottesville this year. But there were two million reasons. Oh, did I say reasons in the T's? I meant dollars. Here's a Democratic governor who is trying to help out a Democratic mayor who is failing all over the place by freeing up $2 million to the city to help him out. In the days following the deadly white nationalist rally in Charlottesville last summer, angry residents took over a city council meeting. They blamed leaders for failing to stop the hordes of guns, swastikas, Confederate flags. And by the way, the black sheet is off Robert E. Lee. 
The statute now stands by judge order. Nakuya Walker, one of the activists that day, said, why do you think that you could walk in here and do business as usual after what happened? She shamed the city council as a parks and recreation aide who only earned $14.40 an hour. She shamed the city into paying its temporary and seasonal employees a non-living wage. Well, today she's the mayor. And her policies are not resonating with much of anybody. As a matter of fact, Eugene Williams, 90 years old, a black retired affordable housing developer, says he can't even watch the city hall meetings on television anymore. He's disgusted. He says, I can't identify with the activists of today. They shout at public meetings. They focus on removing statutes and admits he turns the TV set off in disgust. Others say, we're not ready to heal yet. Wes Bellamy, a city councilor, an ally of Miss Walker. By the way, they all said, hey, when she got elected, she's going to be the mayor. You know, and they vote among themselves, not individually like we do here in Orlando for mayor of you know Orlando and stuff. Okay, so the city council said, hey, let's pick her. She's the new mayor. Just because she's black doesn't mean she's going to have the answers. And it doesn't mean it's going to heal the city. These days, Ms. Walker has her own problems. She talks less about healing the town than she does uplifting most of its vulnerable members. As a matter of fact, she has a real problem. She has people now who are saying, we're not ready to heal yet. We're going to continue to protest. This fight's not over. And she can no longer control the very people she was marching with now that she is at the different end of that trail as the mayor of Charlottesville. It was very, very sad to see. It was home for three years. The other 52 years I've lived here in Florida, in Orlando. But anyway, I wanted to share it with you. I think really local businesses and the city continue to suffer. The Manafort jury will begin deliberations today and firefighters help an elderly man fix his roof. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Mark Logan's filling in for the Budman. Yaffe is here. Stephanie is here. And, of course, Deborah is here. Looking forward to hearing about those local firefighters helping this elderly person. But oh. first, of course, top story, Manafort. Yeah, the jury deliberations begin today in the Paul Manafort trial. The jury heard closing arguments yesterday in the bank and fraud, a tax fraud case against the former Trump campaign chief. Manafort is facing more than a dozen charges of fraud and money laundering stemming from Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian meddling in the election. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Now for some feel-good news. Orlando firefighters spent their Sunday helping an elderly couple fix their roof, uh, their home with a leaky roof. The firefighters discovered the couple in need Saturday. While the Orlando Fire Department, along with the America Red Cross, they were going door-to-door installing free smoke alarms in the Carver Shores neighborhood. Well, while in the neighborhood... They spotted an elderly man trying to lift plywood up to his roof. Oh, my. Yeah. The man told firefighters his home had suffered damage during Hurricane Irma. That was 11 months ago. Right. Causing leaks in his roof. Uh, the, The homeowner, Bob Thomas, and his wife live in the home, and they say every time it rains, water will bleed through the tarps that they had laid on the roof along with the plywood. They said each weekend, again, this is an elderly couple with limited mobility, would attempt to replace the plywood up on their roof. Oh, my goodness. So Orlando firefighter Felix Marquez, special round of applause for Felix Marquez, organized eight firefighters to help fix the couple's roof. But that's not all, Mark. 
They used $3,000 of their own money to go out and buy the multiple sheets of plywood and rent equipment from a home improvement store so that they could make those repairs. That's that's amazing. And they said after 11 months, as you can imagine, of water pouring in through the house, several of the rooms inside appear to have what looks like mold on the ceiling of several roofs, uh, of several rooms, rather. So the firefighters are really hoping that as people hear this story, that they'll continue to pay it forward. Right. And help this elderly couple remove that mold now from inside the And this home. was Orlando. This was the Carver Shores neighborhood. Yep, okay, so right I'm in Orlando. I'm hoping that your buddy, my buddy, our buddy, Buddy Dyer, and the Orlando City Council will praise these firefighters. Absolutely. But before and that. And not say, were you doing this on city time? <laughs> right? I guess. <laughs> okay. It was a great story. Thanks. It is a good story. <laughs> it's a great story. Well, currently there are 11 large wildfires raging through California, burning homes and hundreds of thousands of acres. Firefighters from all over the country, including the Sunshine State, have been heading out west to lend a hand. Turns out Osceola County Firefighter Robert Hammond is back on the job at uh, Osceola Fire Rescue Station Number 73 after being in California for 14 days. He was out in the Golden State uh, fighting the massive Ferguson fire. That's the one that's by Yosemite State Park that spread to more than 95,000 acres. He was one of two firefighters from central Florida working to contain that massive blaze. Other crews from the Florida Forest Service are also out in California fighting other major fires, including the Car Fire, which has spread to more than 200,000 acres and destroyed more than 1,000 homes. He did say, though, that it's amazing to see what the residents of California, how thankful they are for what the firefighters are out there doing. Yeah, I I think a lot of people underestimate what they go through. We have several friends who are firefighters, and, I mean, you want to talk about risking your life? Who else runs into a burning building? Yeah, exactly. And exactly. who else would do what these fine firefighters have done for this nice elderly couple? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's Shows. just, it is. It's, it's wonderful. They are, they, it takes a special kind of human being to be a firefighter. And that's why they're, you know, deservedly called heroes. Absolutely. But it's, Absolutely. Not, it's not just the heroes. Sometimes it can be the everyday folks as well. All right. A New Jersey woman who has made a habit of paying it forward was paid back recently in a surprising fashion. As she's done many times before, Ruth Reed decided to help a stranger pay for his coffee at a gas station uh, after overhearing the man say he found himself a little short on cash. Hmm. Well, when the stranger thanked her and introduced himself, Reed found out that she had just kicked in five bucks to help Country music superstar Keith Urban buy his coffee. Wow. So you never know who you're paying it forward to. (laughs) Free tickets? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Just keep paying it forward. Right. (laughs) That's neat. Yeah, it is. And I'll be back with more of the serious stuff at 8. All right. Good. Always glad to uh, hear those good news stories. And we are going to uh, take a look at some interesting news, which is, uh, I don't know, I'm torn on this. You know, today is the editorial day. Today is the day that uh, the newspapers are writing about Trump and telling him to stop calling the press the enemy of the people. I'd like you to weigh in on that because I'll weigh in on it. Call us at 407-916-5400. That's 407-916-5400. Or text us at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Is the media really the enemy of the people? Want to hear from you? That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. The editorial in the Orlando Slant, uh, Sentinel today President Trump, the press isn't the enemy, it's America's watchdog. My question is who watches the press? 
I mean, what's the minimum requirement to be a journalist? There's not, but I asked for your views, and Keith from Orlando, you're on the 50,000-watt front porch. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that the press is the enemy of the people. I, I think on for Donald J. Trump uh, to, to stand up to the, to the media, what they, what they choose to report, what they choose not to report, how they slant uh, the, the story. Uh, it's been that way for some time now, but I, I absolutely agree that they're an enemy of the people. All right. Well, Keith, thank you for weighing in. We appreciate that. And Keith and uh, Chris from Orlando, the enemy of the people or the freedom of the press? Which is it? Well, i got to say, I'm 63 years old. I've listened to Bud and, and uh, Rush for years, and maybe it is time he stopped calling them the enemy of the people, but maybe it's time they stopped earning that title. They should go back to pe- being reporters like Morrow, and uh, people like that, and like Budman was when he was on, yep. give the news, not your slant on it. I agree with help. you. I agree with you 100%, Chris. You know, if you ask budding journalists right now, what is your role? What do you hope to accomplish as a journalist? Because, you know, I, I taught for almost nine years journalism classes, mass media classes at the University of Central Florida as, a, as an adjunct, as a part-time uh, instructor, and I ask that question, what is your goal? What do you hope to accomplish? And the answer is, I want to change the world for the better. That's not your job. It's not the job of a journalist. A a journalist is the objective observer who stands in the corner of a room and gains all the information that occurs when you can't be there. And then they come back and they tell you what happened. They don't tell you what they think about it. Now, are they the enemy of the people? Let's see. Denver Post runs letter to the editor suggesting Trump should be executed. You see, I think sometimes the media puts its own head on a silver platter and says, here. I mean, the Denver Post, they have nobody in their editorial staff that could look at this letter, this letter that that is criticizing the president and suggests that the president should be executed. You know... Think about Scalise. I don't remember very much coverage of the sympathy for a bunch, a group of Republican lawmakers shot at and shot that morning. They were out there practicing for a softball game. Facebook deletes page calling for crazed shooters to attack the NRA and Republicans after our own Florida, one of our own Florida congressmen confronts the firm's executive and says, look, what is wrong with you? Facebook, you are posting, allowing people to call for crazed shooters to attack Republicans and the NRA. And sometimes they do it to themselves. Piers Morgan, oh, Piers Morgan, remember, he used to be on CNN, now he's across the pond. Yeah, he's living in uh, England these days, and the United States is looking pretty good to him while he was over here criticizing our laws. Piers Morgan says, by hiring an anti-white, anti-male writer, the Trump-hating hypocrites at the New York Times just handed the moral high ground to the man they loathe the most. This Asian woman says uh, she doesn't like dumb, blank, blanking white people. Ah, That's nice. 
Oh, look at this tweet she made. Uh, can't repeat it. Let's see, what else is, I can't repeat that one either. Let's see, look at this though. The New York Times digital subscriber growth slows. <laughs> Do you think there might be a correlation between those stories? I don't know. We'll talk about this on the other side of the top of the hour, but guess what? We have sound judgment coming on, so hop on board right now. If you would like to participate in sound judgment, call 407-916-5400. That's 407-916-5400. Sound judgment coming up next. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Mark Logue is filling in for the Budman, and at about five minutes away from the top of the hour news with Deborah Roberts. You know, it seems that marriage was so prevalent in our early days of TV programming. Family and values had so much to do with it. Well, today's Sound Judgment is going to question whether you know one rare occasion in 2000s of that kind of relationship. It's a TV show, but before we do that, our call screener, Stephanie, has the prize. That's right. So today we have a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice presents Mickey's Search Party at the Amway Center happening September 7th through the 9th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 1025WFLA.com, keyword events for more info. All right. Name the television series that pushed the limits of political correctness while also returning love, commitment, and marriage through one of the most popular TV couples, in the 2000s. Here's a hint. Sure, I like working for Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> All right. Line one, what is the name of the show? All right. Line two, what is the name of the show? What is it? Nope. Line three, what is the name of the show? What is the name of that show? Maybe we should uh, play it in the background just a little bit more. Line four, what is the name of the show in the 2000s that uh, pushed the limits of political correctness but returned love and commitment through a marriage of one of their most popular TV couples? Do you know it? Roseanne. Nope, not Roseanne. Line one. All in the family. Nope, not all in the family. Line two. Dunder Mifflin, line two. All in the family? Nope. Line three, what is the name of the show? <laughs> line one, what is the name of the show? I can't believe I stumped you. Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Hmm. Line three, what is the name of the show? Most people are going to it today. Line four, what is the name of the show? What is the name of the show? Line four. Line one, the name of the show. The Office. There it is. We've got a winner. <laughs> wow. I thought we'd get on the first call. What is your name and where are you calling from? My name's Tom. I'm from uh, uh, Apopka. Okay, Tom, you hang on there. Uh, are you a fan of the show? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you got a real nice prize out of it, though. So I'm going to put you on hold. Stephanie will take your information. And we have the Manafort jury beginning deliberations today. And classes resuming at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High six months after the mass shooting. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. 
It's 8 o'clock, and this is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Mark Logus. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the Manafort jury will begin deliberations today, and classes resume at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High six months after a mass shooting. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Newspapers across the country today are asking the question President Trump, the press isn't the enemy, it's America's watchdog. Do you agree or disagree? We'll take your calls at 407-916-5400. Coming up next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Thursday morning, otherwise known as Friday Eve. It's 8.02 on News Radio 102.5. Jurors will begin deliberating the Paul Manafort fraud case today. The jury heard closing arguments yesterday before the judge gave his final instructions. Lawyers for the former Trump campaign chief argued in their closing remarks that the prosecution wouldn't have a case without its star witness, former Manafort associate Rick Gates. Gates testified that he'd committed crimes with Manafort and that he stole from his boss. The defense argued that Gates lied to the jury. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Overseas, ISIS says one of its fighters carried out a suicide bombing in Kabul. Nearly three dozen people were killed and 56 were injured in the bombing in a Shiite area of the Afghan capital yesterday. The terrorist group's news agency said the bomber wore a suicide vest. Afghan authorities say the bomber hit an educational center. There was an overwhelming police presence for the first day of school at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High in Parkland. Sarah Cardona is starting her junior year six months after a shooting at the school killed 17 people. So I always felt pretty safe, but especially now with like the new heightened security, I feel fine. I feel good. The superintendent says school security has doubled and there are more cameras throughout the campus. The building where the February shooting took place remains closed and freshmen have been assigned to portable classrooms. Meanwhile, a newspaper is defending its actions that could lead to two reporters facing charges. A judge yesterday blasted the South Florida Sun Sentinel for publishing portions of an education report on Nicholas Cruz two weeks ago that should have been redacted to protect his privacy. The paper claims the information was obtained legally and the editor-in-chief says the reporters did their job. The Broward School District asked the judge to hold the paper and two reporters in contempt, but the judge did not issue a ruling. In local news, the mayor of Orange County is having a war of words with one of the people who wants to be the next mayor of Orange County. Sheriff Jerry Deming said recently that he can't hire and train enough people to work in the county schools as school resource officers. Teresa Jacobs says he should have mentioned this a lot sooner than he did. If he needed 75 positions for this school year, the time to start hiring them, in my personal opinion, would have been in April or March, right after the bill was signed, not letting me know the Friday before school started. An email from the Demings campaign had complained that he had informed Jacobs in May, but Jacobs called that incomplete and misleading. She noted they had been waiting on Demings to fill them in on his strategy and reach an agreement with the school district. And finally, heads up, rideshare customers. You might be able to learn something from a recent experience a St. Petersburg man had. This is something Uber itself has been warning ride, uh, riders about. Roger Bell was falsely accused by an Uber driver last week of throwing up in the man's car, and the driver charged Bell an $80 cleaning fee. This is apparently an example of something called vomit fraud, and it seems to be a growing problem. And it's, mm. he's lucky he got off with an $80 fee. Usually it's 150 or more. Bell tells uh, Bay News 9 he was able to get his case resolved, but a way to avoid becoming a victim is to take pictures of the car's interior before and after oh. the ride. Good, good suggestion. Yeah, it's good yeah. advice. <laughs> 
because unless you can afford a $150 fee for something you didn't do. Didn't yeah. do, exactly. WFLA yeah. News Time, it's 8.05. Read about the smoke from those California wildfires. Well, it is spreading to New York City. Get the details at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Mark Logus starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Mark Logan's filling in for the Bud Man. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell phone, hit pound 250, keyword real estate. And I got to tell you that uh, we had some calls and uh, some texts, so we're going to continue on. President Trump, the press isn't the enemy. It's America's watchdog. That's in today's Orlando Sentinel, but in editorial pages across the country. And I'd like you to weigh in. 407-916-5400. Is the press the watchdog, or is it the problem? Text 23680, and we will have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. All right, so today's editorial in the Orlando Sentinel President Trump, the press isn't the enemy, it's the American watchdog. And we have Ann from Orlando who wants to weigh in. Good morning, Ann. Welcome to the 50,000 watt front porch. Yes, thank you very much. I have three comments which I think are. Uh, pertinent to what's going on right now. The first one is, um, I've, for, for a few years now, I've thought about getting, making up a t-shirt, and I probably could sell them. I'd make up the t-shirt that says, label jars, not people. We have too much labeling of people these days. Good point. What are your other two points? Because that okay, first one so, was great. <laughs> okay, so uh, you, you and I both, um, we're old enough to remember the movie, uh, the show on TV, Drive Nap? Yes. Okay, Joe Friday. I remember him standing at a trailer one time talking to this woman, and she said she started giving him her opinion of what went on. He said, it's not what you think, ma'am. It's just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Just the facts, that's right. And your third exactly. point? Your, your, your and the other one is, I'm a cashier. Pardon me? I said you're batting a thousand here. These are great. Go ahead. Well, good. Well, I think I have another good one for you. Okay. Um, I'm a cashier, and I meet people actually from all over the world. Last week, there was a woman in our store, and she is from Mexico. She was so pleasant, so nice, spoke English so well, and said to me, she said, I'm glad to be here. I said, you are? She, I said, tell me why you are. She said, the U.S. has rules, and everyone that comes here needs to follow them. That's, uh, wow, you're three for three. You're Good great. Deal. No, I mean that sincerely. I appreciate you calling in, Ann, because, you know, she's right. We do have laws, and when there, you do not appreciate or respect laws, you get lawlessness. James from Orlando wants to weigh in. Good morning, James. Yeah. Um, the press is set right now to be the enemy of the people. They're not telling the truth. I mean... At one point, they were the watchdog of America, not any longer. When they lie, they lie. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that because, uh, you know, while everybody is focused on Trump and all the lies of Trump, uh, after Yaffe is going to read some of the texts that have come in, I'm going to play a clip for you that nobody seems to be listening to or remembering. And this is how the press, I think, sometimes becomes perceived as maybe the enemy of the people. But first, before we go to that soundbite uh, featuring a former president, what do we have on the text line, Mike? Uh, yeah, got a lot of text on this, Mark. One person says, the media generally views conservatives 
Trump supporters and gun owners as the enemy. They have failed as objective watchdogs. Uh, Another person said the press does become an enemy of the people when they are representing the views of any single party and they're becoming a mouthpiece for that party. All of the alphabet networks are currently representing themselves as mouthpieces for the Democrat Party based on their coverage, their negative coverage of the president. Very interesting. You know, it's interesting also that the mainstream media is not asking how that Russian lawyer gained access to the United States after she was first denied access. You know, this big Trump Tower meeting, that Russian lawyer was first denied. She did not get the visa. But somebody within the Obama White House did an override, and that's how she got here. And nobody's paying any attention to that. And you know what? Very few people are paying attention to this, you may recall. This is my last election day for you. Yeah. After my election, I have more flexibility. I will transmit this to Vladimir. I will will transmit. What is the guy, a robot, this former Russian president? Do you remember when Obama's flexibility statement was made to the former Russian president? He wanted him to get rid of the rest of the nuclear umbrella that Obama first took half of it down and then promised to take the rest of it down that protects Europe and the former Soviet satellite countries. Why wasn't that scrutinized? Why wasn't that scrutinized? Uh, you know, I've, I've got, this is my last election. I'll have some more flexibility. What does that mean? I don't know. Nobody asked him. You want to talk about Russian collusion? Let's go back. Oh, who was the CIA director, by the way? Oh, that was Brennan. Brennan says, yeah, there's conspiracy and there is collusion. And that is why Trump took away my clearance, my my security clearance, because there's corruption. No, you're an idiot. You, I think, colluded with the Russians because you were the CIA director at the time that Obama was reassuring. And, you know, they said how how Trump kind of nodded and winked at that one moment at Putin in that in that in that meeting that they had. Well, what about the fact that Obama reaches over, pats the former Russian president on the arm with a reassuring I'll have more flexibility. You know, this is my last election. Nobody seemed to care about that. But I have some more that we should consider and your calls. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Mike from or- Mount Dora is calling in. And uh, Mike, good, good, pleasant Thursday morning to you. I don't remember what day it was. Mike, you're on with us. All right, apparently not. So do I believe that the media is the enemy of the people or do I believe that the media is America's watchdog? Well, I believe that the media for a very long time has been America's watchdog, but I believe that changed and it changed with Watergate. And since that time, journalists have, I believe in my heart, as being a journalist for now 40 years doing this, that journalists today are all about gotcha and wanting their name in the press. You know, in, in the old days, journalists never wanted their name in the press. They weren't the news. They didn't make the news. And ever since Woodward and Bernstein, you know, it seems that everybody wants to be the next duo, dynamic duo, to bring somebody down. Let me ask you a question before I answer my own question. If someone keeps lying to you over and over and over again, they just keep lying to you, and you want to believe them, and you trust them, and you believe them, and then all of a sudden you just, 
you know, oh, well, they lied to me. They, you know, and then you give them a second chance and they lie to you again. And you find that these people are manipulating you or trying to influence you or your behavior, the way you act and how you'll respond. Maybe you'll go out in March. Maybe you'll take a stand on something. And you find out you've been lied to again. Don't you consider that person an enemy? I do. You know, I give people probably more chances than most people do because I believe in the good and the human spirit, the soul. And people make mistakes. But the media has habitually made the mistake. And since 2015, they have lied and lied and lied and lied again about Donald J. Trump. What are they afraid of? I'll tell you what they're afraid of. The elitism. They have become part of the deep state, the establishment. They have a seat, a place at the table. They're not supposed to be at the table. They're supposed to be removed from the table. They're supposed to deny or refuse, not RSVP, dinner reservations, to sit at that table. But they become part of the problem. And so, for eight years, they carried Barack Obama's water for him. Anything he said that was wrong, they covered it up. Hillary Clinton was on a dangerous track for that. Uh, yeah, we've got four dead Americans. Uh, uh, what, what, what difference does it make? <laughs> you and your little dog, too. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, we have four dead Americans. A dead sitting ambassador. And the press just didn't seem to care, wonder what it was. Oh, no, 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 that was that video. No, it happened on the anniversary of 9-11 in 2012. Let me ask you something else. Why did ABC finally fire Brian Ross? I mean, how many times did he get his stories, his investigative stories about Trump wrong? Did they have to correct him? Do you also remember that Brian Ross claimed the Colorado shooter, Holmes, was in the Tea Party? You remember that? And there was a Holmes in the Tea Party, but it was the wrong guy. He was getting death threats. That's dangerous. George Stephanopoulos, the Romney question in 2012. You remember that one? I do. Uh, Governor Romney, why do you want to take away a woman's right to contraceptives? And he said, well, I think that's kind of a silly thing. I don't think anyone's talking about that. They weren't. Stephanopoulos was planting the seed. You know what else was never investigated or answered? About the deal that Obama struck to release the five terrorists from Guantanamo Bay. I mean, who did he call? Did he go to the phone book, the yellow pages, releasing terrorists, call 1-800? I mean, how did he get in contact with the terrorists to release five terrorists for Bergdahl? Anybody want to know about that? Hey, maybe CIA Director Brennan wants to know. He didn't notify Congress. He didn't notify the FBI. And five terrorists whom Obama would later admit could possibly come back to this country and strike again. And that's not something we should be concerned about. The media simply ignored it, never cared, never asked about it, never questioned it. Enemy of the people with no apologies. Absolutely. And until they get their credibility back and start telling the truth, in my book, they have to earn my trust back. And it is nowhere close to being earned back anywhere close. You're not America's watchdog. 
Somebody needs to be watching you these days. The Manafort jury beginning deliberations today. And it's National Roller Coaster Day. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. You know, I can't wait to take the ride of my life with Deb on National Roller Coaster Day. But first, the serious news and the latest from the Manafort trial. Yeah, we're in Alexandria, Virginia. Jury will begin deliberating Paul Manafort's bank and tax fraud case today. Jurors heard closing arguments yesterday. Manafort is facing more than a dozen charges of fraud and money laundering. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And yes, you're right, Mark. Amusement parks around the world are celebrating National Roller Coaster Day. Yay! The holiday is celebrated on the day the first roller coaster was patented in 1898. Wow. Yeah. Now there are nearly 1,500 coasters in the U.S. The tallest one is over 450 feet tall. No thank you. (laughs) And it's located at Six Flags in Jackson, New Jersey. Some amusement parks are offering special discounts today only in observation of National Roller Coaster Day. Are you a fan of roller coasters? I am a fan of watching roller coasters. Me too. Hey, I'll hold your purse. (laughs) (laughs) A sweet treat that's ideal for selfies has popped up in New York City. This sounds like fun. It's called Candytopia. And features 12 rooms filled with sugary artwork and displays made entirely of candy. Isn't that Willy Wonka? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Including the Statue of Liberty, a yellow cab, unicorns, seahorses, and the Mona Lisa. It'll make you salivate, but the good news is you're offered lots of candy to eat. And you can end your tour in a pool of marshmallows. Oh, man. That's a ride we there, will go on. We, we don't want to watch exactly. that Exactly. Right. We'll go to Candytopia. <laughs> Everyone else can enjoy Roller Coaster Day. A visit to Candytopia in case you're heading to uh, the Big Apple costs $34 for adults, $26 for children, and runs through Thanksgiving week. That's not bad. It's not bad at all, and it's not going to be around for long. So if, you get, if you're lucky enough to be in New York City, check out Candytopia. Augusta Gloom. <laughs> now, if you're going to be overseas... Well, you won't even need to be overseas because it turns out London's famous festering fatberg lives on and it's getting its own live stream. The Museum of London says uh, if you don't know what the fatberg is, well, Mm. the Museum of London says a chunk of oil, fat, diapers and baby wipes blasted out of a sewer last year (laughs) is now part of its permanent collection. I'm thinking food here. I'm thinking of a diner. You won't when I'm done. Not a pub either. No, no. no. The museum said Tuesday that the highly toxic lump will be stored in a secure case and displayed online via a fat cam Mm. so that viewers can watch its changes. The fatberg was on display at the museum for several months this year, nestled inside transparent boxes to protect visitors from potentially deadly bacteria and the noxious smell. I'm glad that uh, it's not coming here. The museum says that since coming off display, the fatberg has started to grow an unusual and toxic mold in the form of visible yellow yellow pustules, which has been identified as aspergillus. Mm. Mm, yum. And finally, <laughs> a foul, excuse me, a foul-mouthed macaw repaid the heroism of the firefighter sent to rescuer by telling him off, but in a very colorful way. TimesNowNews.com reports Jesse, the blue and gold macaw, had been stranded on the roof of a London building for three days when the firefighter climbed up to bring her down. Mm. An emergency call was made as fears grew that Jesse may have been injured. Mm. But when the first responder arrived, risking his life for the parrot, 
Jesse told him to F off. <laughs> nice. Real nice, Bird. Jesse's yeah. owner had prepared the firefighter for her potty mouth uh-huh. and told the man to respond with, I love you. Okay. But the macaw kept spewing the same swear word to add insult to, well, insult. insult. After a few minutes with her would-be rescuer, Jesse flew off and landed on another roof. <laughs> Turns out the darn bird wasn't injured at all. Ah, uh, and you know Jesse's probably like, you know how long it took me to get up here? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Love it, love it. <laughs> Anything else you got? Nothing else can follow the foul mouth macaw. All right, well, off to uh, New York, is it? Yeah. Yeah, to chocolate and candy haven. And candy haven. All yeah, right. a pool of marshmallows. All right. It's okay, my we're space. about to talk to Dr. K. Are you guys <laughs> trying to get a lecture from our doctor I'm here? I'm leaving the room, so <laughs> he can lecture all he'd like. Yeah. I actually invite him to lecture. Oh, it's well, he thing. is next. He Absolutely. is next. Now, we won't have you tomorrow, but Monday, Monday we'll bright be back and early. doing this again. All right. You got we'll it, Mark. Look forward to it. Enjoy working with you again. You too. Yep. I'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Strange thing to say on a Thursday. I wish I could say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> House call with Dr. Ken Kronhaus, Lake Cardiology. That's next. That in Orlando's news, weather and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus. Morning, Dr. K. Mark, great to be with you. Yeah, and you know, your office is right across the street from the Martin family, who used to live there years ago. I was born and raised in Mount Dora, and uh, drove by your office the other day and and had some pleasant memories as I went through the old hometown. But uh, that's not why you're on today. You're uh, with Lake Cardiology, breaking health and medical news. And what long-term cannabis can do to your brain has been under debate, but you might have some answers. Exactly. And when we use the word cannabis, we're really talking about marijuana. So some use marijuana for recreational purposes, whereas others use cannabis-based drugs or essential oils to relieve chronic pain or treat epilepsy, Mark. But what about long-term use of marijuana and its potential dangers? There's one important danger reported this week in the Journal of Neurochemistry that regular cannabis use can impair a person's memory. Chronic exposure to marijuana impairs the communication between brain regions that drive memory and learning. Now, a lack of exercise can also create some problems. In this case, cancer risk. Margaret, my wife, just got us this year... Uh, some memberships to work out at a gym, and I'm glad I'm doing it. I feel better, but I didn't realize it it could actually boost cancer risk if I'm not exercising. That's interesting. As I like to say, it's my favorite drug, Mark. Few Americans know that inactivity can increase the risk of colon, breast, and other types of cancers. According to a study published this week in the Journal of Health Communication, while many know a sedentary lifestyle increases the risk of heart disease, this was about two-thirds of the people, and metabolic problems such as diabetes, also two-thirds knew that, only 3.4% are aware lack of exercise also adds to cancer risk. This review also found low awareness of inactivity increases the risk of respiratory diseases, 3.4% knew that, and gastrointestinal conditions, 0.9% knew that. Oh, my goodness. Now, if a woman wants to live to be 90, what does she need to do? 
All right, here's some information. Out of age and aging this week, women whose mothers live a long and healthy life have a good chance of doing the same. Those whose mothers live to age 90 are 25% more likely to reach the milestone without suffering serious health issues such as heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer, and hip fractures. If both parents reach age 90, women are 38% more likely to live a long and healthy life, but there's no increase in daughter's longevity or health if only their father lived to 90 or beyond. So longevity, Mark, may be influenced by a combination of genetics, environment, and behaviors passed from parent to child. That's so interesting. To connect with Dr. K, Lake Cardiology, and his amazing BudScan 2.0 heart scan, calls 352 735-1400. Now, let's move on to cavities. What can we do to prevent cavities? If your toothpaste is fluoride-free, Mark, brushing and flossing alone are not enough to keep cavities away, according to a study published this week in the journal Gerontology. The fluoride is what helps you avoid cavities. It's not simply keeping the teeth cleaner. The plaque is inaccessible, and you cannot get to it. While oral hygiene may help a bit, it's the fluoride that makes the difference in getting to the plaque and preventing cavities. The American Dental Association Association recommends brushing twice a day with a fluoride-containing toothpaste, flossing once a day, eating a healthy diet, and seeing a dentist on a regular basis. I'm going tomorrow. So, <laughs> And last but not least, baby blues, dads can get those too? Postpartum depression, it's not limited to moms, Mark. Rates of depression among new fathers are similar to those among new mothers, according to a study that's going to be reported today at the annual meeting of the American Psychological Association. Rates of depression among new fathers as I said, are similar to those among new mothers. Roughly 10% of new dads experience postpartum depression, and up to 18% have some type of anxiety disorder. Factors that could trigger anxiety in baby blues mark in the new fathers include sleep deprivation, exhaustion, time away from work, gender role conflict, and concerns about being a good parent. New and expected fathers should be screened for signs of depression. Men are more likely to feel irritable and socially disconnected when they are depressed. One thing that can help men avoid postpartum depression is support from friends. Wow, that's that's great advice. Dr. Ken Kronhaus, House Call with Dr. K, Lake Cardiology. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll talk with you next week. Be well, Mark. Great. Book an appointment with Dr. K by calling Lake Cardiology at 352 735 1400. Be sure to catch uh, Doc on his nationally syndicated show, Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. That's on Sunday afternoons from 2 to 3 right here on WFLA. Brad from Winter Park is coming up next. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on News Radio 1025. Straight to the phone lines we go. Brad from Winter Park, thanks for being patient. You're on the 50,000 watt front porch. Oh, good morning. Good morning. I loved when you were talking about this whole. Um fake news uh, situation. And, you know, it's been going on for decades, but we finally have a president who has brought it mainstream. And of course, his detractors are going to say he's crazy, but the American people are not stupid. And when you have a show like Meet the Press this past Sunday, which used to be considered the gold standard of journalism, and Chuck Todd protects 
Maxine Waters for her hideous remarks, which could, by the way, cause trauma for children eating out at restaurants with their family if suddenly they see that their mommy and daddy are being thrown out of a restaurant. A real journalist would ask a question like that, but they're not. They protected her, and Chuck Todd, who's supposed to be on the gold standard of journalism, just says that the president's racist for calling her a low IQ, when in reality, someone who makes remarks like that is indeed a low IQ person. <laughs> so the journalism is dead. It's completely dead because he's protecting her in the same way CNN protected Barack Obama for sitting in a racist church for 20 years. It's been going on. It's out there in the open. And Jim Acosta, he's not dumb. He knows it, but he's complicit and he's deviant. They all are. Until they admit that what they are doing is biased, they're deviant. Yeah, they're never going to admit it. And, and really, what is fake? If, if something's fake, isn't that a lie? I mean, I think we cushion what, what, what the media does and call it fake news. Fake news, call it what it is. They're lying. They're out and out lying. There is no distinction between truth and non-truth. And fake simply means that we're trying to cushion something to make it sound a little bit you know, less threatening. Well, again... I asked a question earlier. Somebody keeps lying to you over and over and over again. Is that your friend? Is that someone you can trust? The answer is no. You know, one of the things that I didn't get to that I want to make sure I wrap up before at the top of the hour news uh, with, with Deb, but one of the claims about Sarah Huckabee Sanders' comment that she believes that the media is responsible for her treatment, and again, I agree with her. She's been the victim of violence. Can you imagine walking into a restaurant with your family to spend money? And being told to leave because of who you are. She's been, she's been called the C word. You know, where were the feminists when that was going on? But they say it's that kind of rhetoric that comes out of the White House and President Trump that, that eggs on shooters, like this shooter of the five journalists. Five journalists are dead in Maryland. Yeah, five journalists are dead in Maryland. And it had nothing to do with Donald J. Trump. Trust me, if it did, the media would have it all over the place. But guess what? It really doesn't. This guy had a personal vendetta with this newspaper. They report, I'm not saying what he did was justified by any stretch of the imagination. Make that clear. I do not condone what he did. I think the guy should be executed for taking five lives. Okay? I'm making that clear. But Donald Trump didn't influence this guy. This guy was reported on in a way he felt was unfair. Then he felt that they came after him, this newspaper, and these five particular individuals. He singled them out. This was not a random act of shooting. He singled them out. He knew who he wanted, and he took them out. This had nothing to do with Trump's rhetoric. This had nothing to do with Trump ratcheting up. You know, one of the things in the, in the Orlando Sentinel, and I didn't read it to you, but their editorial today, it's just like, Grow up. Take the pacifier out of your mouth. Stop crying and whining like a child. It's not fair. They're saying bad things. About you know what? People criticize the Second Amendment all the time, don't they? They criticize religion all the time. That's the first, by the way, freedom of religion. The Second Amendment, I know some people still don't get that. That's, that's the right to keep and bear arms. Read it for yourself. It's a couple sentences long. It's not long. It's, it, it's in English you can understand. But I don't see people going out going, it's not fair, oh my gosh. Please don't tell me, don't talk about my gun now. I mean, the media is so sensitive. But look and listen to the things this media has said about Donald Trump. 
They've accused him of everything. They've accused him of treason. They've accused him of collusion. And you know what they haven't done? They haven't looked at the guy and said, he has created the best economy we have had. He has created more jobs. His economic policies are good for all Americans. And let me tell you something. I have black students and Hispanic students who, at the end of a semester, when I ask the question, which president, living or deceased, do you believe has made the best positive impact on America, Donald Trump's name keeps coming up because I encourage them and challenge them to do their own thinking. On a parting note, Artie Akrig, the wife of Ben Akrig, passed away on Sunday. and my, He was my mentor, and they were just an incredible couple with love, with wonderful children, and uh, a part of Orlando is now gone. Ben and Artie are together again, and uh, they will be missed. Be proud of America. You know, be proud of America. Stand up for America. There's nothing wrong with that. And don't worry about tomorrow because God is already there.